guess what? Lucky you, time for pet chat. Welcome everyone and welcome to the show, Cheryl Shaw and Dr David Tabret. Lovely Ooh. to have you both. Thank you, Sarah. Now, David, you've been on a junket again. No. Oh. <laughs> oh. We're, no, we're no. playing that card. No. <laughs> I said to my accountant yesterday, it's not a junket, it's either work or personal. Was it work? Uh, yeah, it was. Actually. It was a lot of work. All right. Well, what are we chatting about today? Um, well, a couple of things. I'm going to give you an update from my junket. Sorry, work. <laughs> <laughs> because I've just been off to uh, the world's biggest conference for emergency veterinarians. So it was 4,000 oh, wow. people at this. Interesting. Yes. It was the first one I've been to. It was fantastic. You'll go again. Oh, yeah. The maybe. red wine was all right as well at the end of the day, was it? Oh, I might, might have skipped that bit. <laughs> okay. You're not supposed to do that sorry, to me, Sarah. Sorry, no, sorry. That's highly unprofessional. Oh, goodness. Cheryl, what are we chatting about today? Well, Sarah, if I said the word apple to you, mm. what breed would come, a breed of dog would come to mind? Apple. Oh, my God. <laughs> a horse? <laughs> breed of dog, Sarah. Come on. A big one? A dash hound? Oh, they're not, they're not big. They're sausage. A round, fat one? A roly-poly, yeah, like a pug. Like because they're round, apples. We're not playing the oh, game Cheryl, here, David. You're not oh, you've got us. Okay. You've Maybe got I'm us. going to have to... Apple core. Yeah, just keep thinking. Cheryl, you are going to have a chat to us in just a couple of minutes about a breed of dog. Yep. And the clue apple. was apple. Actually, we forgot to workshop that, David, during the song. Okay, so this might help a little bit okay, more. Okay, good. Another good. clue. Okay. Glocamole, tequila, margarita, oh. taco... Yeah. Siesta. Chihuahua hooers. Ah, chihuahuas. Very good. I'm still not sure oh. where the apples come from. Well, they've got an apple-shaped skull. I would never have got that. Oh. Oh. That's, Cheryl's a dog person. So yeah. she sees an apple and I she sees a chihuahua. chihuahua, you know. If you had said yap-yap, we oh, would have got it. There you go. Yeah. Oh. Welcome, Maddie from Barnsley. You've got a problem with your kitty cat, Bilko. Hi. Yes, my cat, Bilko, he's got a bit of a personality on him, mm. a bit like his mum. And um, he's, he's, we took him to the vet the other day because we understand from a few vet visits that he has some teeth issues. And one pet, one vet said, you know, extraction immediately. And then another vet said, well, let's do a scale and polish and let's assess the damage first. So we took young Bilko, I say young, he's nine years in November, and... He was quite hysterical when they were trying to take blood to the point where I dropped him off and they called me an hour later and said, can you come and pick him up? So he behaved like that at the vet. Um, heart rate was up, hissing, shaking, which is really out of character for him. Mm. And, I, and they, they said put him on a medication and bring him back. But when we did do that, it kind of was worrying. His back legs were look, looked a little bit drunk. And is there something we can be doing at home to kind of calm him, maybe a bit more of a natural sort of thing because he was really, really upset when we picked him up. <laughs> yeah, it's not an unusual problem that we face in a, in a veterinary clinic and um, my cat is probably much the same. Although, actually, having said that, the last time I took my cat in for a dental, the guy said to me, oh, no, she's really well behaved. And I said, well, that's because I wasn't there. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so, you know, certainly the, the environment, if you think of it from the cat's perspective... From Bilko's perspective is people are coming at me with sharp implements and they're holding me and I don't want to be there. I want to run away and I want to get up high because that's my defence and if I can't do that, then I'm going to 
scratch and hiss and potentially bite and that's really what happens with uh with our cats and if they're held or restrained in a way that um just simply kind of holds them there you know holds them down on the table or something then that can also escalate the situation but a lot of cats will actually just they'll just go into that cycle as soon as they drive towards the vet clinic or even when you're getting the you know, cat, cat cage. cage out at home, yeah. they they know bad things are coming. So oh, yeah. it can be a real tough one. And the medication idea is a really good idea that a lot of people are now recommending and using, and it makes a big difference. Now, the f- interesting thing about that is it's not just it's not a, just simply sedating your cat. Okay, it is actually reducing the amount of anx- anxiety-inducing chemicals in the brain. So it just makes them harder for those anxiety cycles to really ramp up. And then that, that those chemicals in the brain have a physical effect on the body. Obviously, it activates a flight and fight response, um, and it raises heart rate and respiratory rate and blood pressure, all of those sort of things that you noticed. And the medication will actually dampen those things down. So it's the cat's just a lot calmer about the whole situation. So, okay, so, so keep on with that, really, because they said test it at home and then bring him back when you know that it's working and, and we should be able to get blood to test. Because of his age, you've got to test um, his blood yeah. to see what anesthesia it is. Is that correct? Uh, well, there's a number of different strategies that people, that vets would take, in, and so it's really up to them and their clinical assessment. Um, but oftentimes for a patient that we haven't seen for a long time, we might want to get some blood tests done. There are a couple of strategies that can be used in terms of holding the cat in the clinics and a lot of clinics now have trained in things like um, fear-free training or uh, we did in our hospital it's called low stress handling um, and we were certified as a low stress handling hospital because we know that these environments are really stressful to the pets Um, and for instance one of the things we do just as an example is we would use a towel and we wrap up the cat in a way we call it a kitty burrito (laughs) or a swaddle it sounds like a swaddle situation yeah swaddle's so boring (laughs) not if you're a baby it's your whole life yeah kitty burrito kitty burrito but the interesting thing about it is it's again it's not just actually restraining the cat it's done in a way that um actually makes them feel calmer and so you combine that with the medication the other thing i would recommend also and they might have already done this is talk to the vets about using fellaway spray well, they were using that excessively and they said it was to the point where we'd spray it and he'd calm down um, and then he'd be in his cat cage. But as soon as you bring him out and spray it a bit more, it just didn't work. Yeah. So um, he was a bit over the top. I don't know where he gets it from. <laughs> so one of the things you can do is actually you can spray the fellow in the cat, cat carrier at home because by the time he's getting to the clinic, he's already ramped up. Mm, so the medication he helps, the fellow helps. Talk to them about different um, handling techniques like using towel wraps and things like that. Eventually, there are actual um, ways that we can still get around the anaesthetic problem, but trying to do it in a least stressful way is still the best way best way forward for well, your cat. Good luck, Maddie, and uh, good luck with Bilko. Hopefully, you can get him in and get those blood tested. All I can think of is eating a burrito now, David. Thanks mm, for that. It's nearly lunchtime. Oh, yes, it is. Mm-hmm. We're going to go to another caller now. Wendy, welcome to Pet Chat. Uh, you've got a question about dog breeds. Um, I did, but I was quite amused listening to the, the lady <laughs> before. Um, <you> know, <laughs> nothing good happens at the vet from a 
from an animal's point of view. It's, it's very like true. Us going to the dentist. <laughs> very true, actually. Oh, we don't want to upset all the dentists who are listening. <laughs> well, oh, we know they help that. us, but it is scary. Oh, yes. but we can reason it out. <laughs> yeah, <so>. that's right. <laughs> that's true. It's a very good point, Wendy. Um, yeah, look, um, I have a, a, a child who wants a dog, and um, the what I've been trying to discuss with her is that, you know, we really do not want to get a dog breed where it's congenitally, deliberately deformed, such as breeds that can't breathe or, mm. or um, and so how do you, you know, when you see Dachshunds advertised all the time and looking so cute, it's, it's how do you explain to a child that, yes, they're in advertising a lot, but, um, you know, these dogs were bred at a, in the last century when people thought they had the right to deform them for sporting um, use. Well, and the, so how, yeah. do you, how do you reason with them? It's a really, really good question because um, I guess in two ways. One is about communicating with kids around this and being aware, and the second one is about choosing dog breeds. So how old's your child? Um, 20. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And I only chuckle because I'm thinking, now, if they're under seven, we're going to have a different conversation than if they're over yeah, seven. Yeah, that's made my day. That's beautiful. Oh, oh. As, as, because I know when she goes overseas in a year or two, I'm going to be looking for this dog. No, exactly. See, so, uh, it's the wisdom of age, isn't it? Yeah. Wendy's thinking ahead. Yeah. Thinking, what's, oh, the, what's the least stressful dog for myself? And I guess at yeah. 20, you're very susceptible to marketing. So you're looking at the Absolutely. cuteness and not thinking about potential problems and, well, there's dare two, I say, vet <laughs> bills. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to look at the ethics of it too and trying to convey the ethics of, of the, you know, the situation. Yeah. There's, there's a couple of things, and, I, and Cheryl might have an opinion on this as well. My thought is that, first of all, pretty much every dog breed domestically is a derivative and a breed that's been developed for a purpose. And sometimes the purpose yep. is to look cute and sit on your lap, and sometimes the purpose is that they fulfil certain roles. Now, just as we talk about dogs that have breathing difficulties, dogs with pushed-in faces and so on, um, yes, those things occur... Uh, but at the same time, we've also got to think, well, if I had a border collie and I live in an apartment and he's not able, able to run around and I don't give him enough exercise, that's really going to create a lot of mental anxiety. So it's not just about those physical features of, you know, how they're breathing, although that's an issue. Things like the corgis and the dachshunds with the, the um, spinal problems can develop. But um, also we've got to think about, you know, their exercise needs, how often I can look after them. Grooming's a big thing. Cheryl, this would be something you yeah. would see all the time. And that's, that is a really important thing because often people purchase the dog but don't realise what care What's is going involved. to be yeah mm. it's going to be needed and grooming can be massive for some breeds you know a lot of breed of yeah. dogs these days they say oh you know they're low allergy low maintenance and some of those you know those oodle dogs can be more maintenance than a purebred dog so you need to really do your research about what breed you want and then again looking for a breeder if it's a, a purebred dog looking for a breeder who does all of the scoring of the dog correctly making sure that they've got no hereditary you know sort of things in their lineage mm. So there, there is actually an online tool, um, and for the life of me now, I can't remember the web address, but you can actually go in and you put in the size of your yard and how often you can walk the dog and, you know, do you want an inside dog, outside dog, how often would you groom them, how much do you want to spend on food, etc., etc., and then it will actually pop up a list of three breeds for you. Oh, 
Oh, that sounds fabulous. Um, Cheryl, do you remember that one? It was on one of those pet industry sites. There's a dog breed selector quiz. That wouldn't be it. Oh, that sounds pretty good. Yeah, find yeah. the okay. perfect dog. Oh, th- th- actually, there's a lot on there yeah. done by different businesses. So, um, no, there was one that was set up by uh, one of the pet industry groups in Australia. Okay, and um, but it doesn't do, it doesn't deliver you a crossbreed as oh. a as a suggestion. So there's selecteddogbreed.com. I think that might be it. Actually, maybe check that one out. Yeah. Selecteddogbreed. I, I would recommend having a look at that, but still making your own judgment. Mm. Yeah. Um, and if ever you want to talk about uh, how much different breeds cost, you don't ask an emergency vet. Because <laughs> 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 we, we see the worst of everything yeah, of and course. every single breed has a problem. And, yes, there are uh, some breeds that have more problems than others, but, you know. <sighs> Wendy, good luck with it. And I'm sure with a 20-year-old, maybe you can reason. Can you take, can you take the phone off a 20-year-old? No. Too old for you that, aren't they? You can try. You can try. I don't know how that'll go. We're going to go to Steve now. Uh, Steve, you want to talk about dog breeds as well? Oh, sorry, Steve, you there? Hello. Hello. Oh, you're back, sir. Yeah, I'm back. <laughs> how can we help you? Um, I really appreciate the show. Um, I'm just suggesting a breed for the lady's daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, they are called a coolie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're a pretty, and, pretty energetic dog. Um, oh, mine isn't now. Uh, She's, uh, heading 17. But they are just so, um, wherever you are, they love you. Oh, isn't that lovely? So they're very affectionate. Yes. Um, I suggest more so uh, a bitch than a dog. Um, and uh, nothing goes wrong with them. <laughs> oh, no. Steve's been Dang- lucky with his. Dangerous words. Yes. But 17, what a great effort. Yeah, well, long... Steve must be a good uh, pet owner. Oh, you know, of course, he was helping Wendy out. Wendy phoned in earlier and um, she she packaged it up as she needed to get some advice on how she can let her children know what's ethical about getting a breed of dog. Turns mm, out the child in question mm, was 20 years old, mm. but <laughs> they were looking at I, breeds I, of dogs. You've got to really commend, though, the thought that looking at, you know, the ethics of how Absolutely. dogs are bred and trying to avoid problems. So, yeah, yeah. you know, I think that's a... Uh, certainly a great uh, testimony to uh, Wendy's concern for uh, the pets in her care. Yeah, and doing that research as well to get the right breed for your family. Yeah, before you get yeah, there. Yeah, and yeah. so many people make that mistake. As you said, they get you know, the border collie and they live in an apartment. Mm. Mm. Good. 49216216 is our number. Now, speaking of breeds of dogs, Cheryl, you um, stumped us before. You were giving us some clues. You wanted yeah. to talk about chihuahuas today. Yeah, look, they make great little pets, and maybe this one might be one that Wendy could um, go with. But well, anyway, <laughs> with the chihuahuas, they're the oldest breed in existence, and they're actually the smallest. Really? Yes, yes. We're one of the ancient dogs. Wow. Ancient dog breeds wow. that are still in existence today. They, um, they came from... Um, Mexico, obviously we were talking about these little chihuahuas, and they came from the ancient city of Tachichi. Now, they were there, the native dogs, so they were about 2,000 years ago this breed was there, and what they were used for back in the day was to use them for ratting, so making sure that they were getting Mm. rid of the rodents and things. Okay. But they also 
used to eat them and they were considered really sacred animals and they if, ate the chihuahuas yes as oh, meat so right. that they, you know and you know, it's a br- pretty sad thing to talk about eating dogs but anyway that was what happened all of those years ago and there's lots of myths and legends around chihuahuas they believed that they were able to take illnesses away from people and people um, the illness would transfer onto the dog and when an owner would die it the dog would be buried with the chihuahua. Um, the, the, the owner the would be owner. buried with the chihuahua. Sorry, getting it all around the wrong way here. But, look, their beliefs, they also believe that they um, took your sins away. They had all of these strange wow. things around them. But you've got to remember, this was a long time ago. And today's chihuahuas are just fantastic little dogs. They come in two varieties. We've got the smooth hair and the long-haired chihuahua. Mm. And both of them are really easy to care for. They don't require a lot of um, grooming, so they do require bathing and drying, obviously, and also some regular brushing. The only real thing you have to do is clip their nails. Some people do get the long-haired chihuahuas trimmed, but that isn't necessary. You can keep them um, you know, mm. with their full coat, which looks rather beautiful. So as far as maintenance, they're a really easy dog to look after and they enjoy being groomed because chihuahuas love to be the centre of attention. So, you know, they'll stand up there and enjoy that grooming. Um, in modern times, they're really, really popular with the rich and famous. You know, celebrities use them oh, as yeah, accessories. Oh, yeah, your Paris Hilton's yes. and Britney Spears. Yeah, and, so you mm. often see them being carried around in little handbags, yeah. really accessorised with colours and, you know, diamantes, real diamonds on their little colours, oh, not just Lordy like Lord. what we've got. But they come in a lot of colours. There's about 30 different colours and varieties of chihuahuas, even right through to pure white, which is pretty rare, but, mm. you know, they are out there. So... They also come in nose colours. So their noses can be anything from black, brown, pink, even sometimes grey and sometimes two-tone so that, you know, you might have a a couple of colours in the nose. So they are quite um, pretty little dogs. Their appearance... You know how I said about that apple? Well, that apple head is really sort of one of the things that goes with the dog. But the unique thing about the Chihuahua, that's the only breed that has a soft spot. They're born with a, um, a molra on top of their head. So that's just like in our babies where they have the, the fontanelle. fontanelle. Oh, wow. Yeah. And that fontanelle in our babies closes over, and it usually does with the Chihuahua, but sometimes it doesn't. So if you've got children and you have Chihuahuas, you need to make sure they're not sort of mm. patting them on the top of the head. Ah. So that's sort of one of the things we need to be making sure that, you know, we are looking after that head of the chihuahua. And their heads as puppies are quite big. Their eyes are set um, quite, you know, sort of quite a a big distance apart. But they are so cute. Um, You usually find um, that with chihuahuas, they love their owner. They really bond so very quickly. So they're a dog that wants to sit on your lap. So you're not going to be watching television without having a little dog sitting on your lap. Um, they can be quite noisy, so early training is important. And, Sarah, yeah. you mentioned that. The yappers, yeah. yeah. So you do need to get on top of that and start that straight away. So if you're getting a puppy, you need to be making sure that you're asking the puppy to be quiet and not yelling at the puppy to shut up because this is where we end up with, you know, the dog just getting louder and louder. Um, they don't like strangers, so if you are having visitors, most of the time they'll either hide or sit on you or bark at the neighbour <laughs> or the, the stranger. So you need to make sure that you're getting that under control. Um, they're not often fond of children either. They can be a little bit, you know, nippy, so you need to make sure that if you do have children, you're keeping a close watch on the children okay. with chihuahuas because they can be a bit, you know, a bit toey, a little bit feisty. 
But um, there's another thing with Chihuahua owners that can happen. They get a little bit of collective behaviour. So instead of only having one Chihuahua, they often buy multiple. <laughs> yes. Because they're so little, I think they get like two for one. <laughs> and yeah. and I think that's true, Sarah. Yeah, they are so small. And um, But the Chihuahuas are fine with company. They do like other Chihuahuas being around them. Um, they do need exercise, not a lot. A little walk around the block will suffice. But one of the things you should do is um, have them on a harness rather than on a collar because chihuahuas have quite fragile little necks and they can often have problems with um, trachea if you're, they're pulling on their collar. So a little harness is great. That, even though there's not much, much weight behind them, they do need to make sure that they're walking properly. But, you know, when I see chihuahuas, I think of um, Rocky Horror. Oh, okay. So when I think of them, I, I think... A, with the obscure references yeah. today... I don't yeah. even remember a chihuahua in Rocky Horror. There's not. But you think about <laughs> sweet transvestite and you know those words? <laughs> shiver with anticipation. That's what chihuahuas do. They shiver and shake. They shiver and shake if they're excited, if they're nervous, if they're anxious. You're tr that's true. That is so very true. In your mind, shiver and shake. That's what a little chihuahua oh. does. Oh, that is so funny. But too, too much thinking great. for a Wednesday lunch. <laughs> oh, come on. David and I are sitting here I'm going, trying yeah, to what what you just want the taco. We, we do. Yes. The burrito. <laughs> Uh, look, I've only had one chihuahua when we were fostering, Peanut, and I've got to say, this puppy stole our heart, like, personality yeah. plus. This was the one where Sean said, Sarah, there is no way this dog is sleeping on the end of the bed. I give you one week, and that little pup was in between us. Oh, really? Under mm -hmm. the blankets. Mm -hmm. yeah. Peanut was ruling the roost. Yeah. You've got to watch love, out for that. They love so their little. owners. They're great. They're great oh, little dogs. Yeah, they fun. love their owners. They do. <laughs> And they, they get you wrapped around their yep. little paw, don't they? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, good one, Cheryl. Well, that is a good option if you're you know, in the market for a dog and a smaller breed. I'm yep. still amazed that they are the oldest breed mm. of dog. Mm. I would have thought they would have you know, died out really early on because they're so little. They're yeah. like a rat themselves. I would have thought they would have been prey. Dogs, mm. dogs that serve communities by, for example, removing rats, mm. which improves the health of the community, are highly valued. Yep. Yeah, you know, because they serve that purpose and they actually help the community develop. So that's probably uh, test again, testament again to yeah. why they're able to um, be around for so long. Yeah, sure. Welcome to the show, Noel. Uh, your dog has a skin condition that you wanted to ask Dr. David Tabret about. Yes, exactly. He's got what they call the ten-year-old. They've got skin tags, but they look like warts. I think they've been called warts. Yep. Is there anything I can put on them to get rid of them? Uh, short answer, no. Um, okay, um, long answer surgery. is there may yeah surgery is often the uh, best form of treatment. So there are a number of different types of skin tags or these kind of uh, attachments to skin that we see. Not all of them are warts, which are a papillomavirus. So well, what's, ha what's happening is he's getting these little, um, little white lumps coming up. Little white lumps? Yeah. Yeah, okay. And they, they start off small, but they're getting bigger, and then he starts to chew them. Right. And of course, then he breaks them. I, I took them to a vet, and they said I was just warts. Yeah. And I thought, well, all the others he's got around his neck just look like big, raised, white lumps. 
They don't. It doesn't sound classically like a, a wart, but they can always present in a lot of different ways. Oftentimes, with a lot of those sort of things, we sometimes look at them and think, oh, you know, it's benign and it's not going to be a real concern. But I would always caution because not every problem presents in a typical way that getting a biopsy done would be a good idea um, just to make sure you know how to manage these problems and when they crop up. And if something looks a bit different, you go, well, that's a new problem, something else that we have to manage. So I, even if you're thinking, well, you know, there's too many to do with surgery, and that's... I, I've actually operated on a dog where I've removed, you know, something like 15 to 30 of these little lumps yep. or skin tags and so on. Um, and sometimes it's done as a side to, uh, you know, another um, procedure. Say they're in for another procedure and we go, look, we're going to take all these off. But in the same zone, I would also say, look, let's probably get a biopsy just to make sure that we know exactly what we're dealing with. The other thing is I have seen there is a... Um, some dogs that get uh, certain internal conditions like liver disease, as an example, can often develop skin tags. And there are a number of other conditions where dogs... There's a hormonal disease called Cushing syndrome, which can produce uh, lumps in the skin. Uh, so there's a lot of different scenarios that you need to check out. And it's probably worthwhile getting a biopsy of that condition just to um, make sure we're dealing with it appropriately. I know, oh, that's all right. Yeah. Okay, well, I took him up to uh, East Maitland Vets. Well, one of, what, yeah, one of the things you can do is just oftentimes when we see these problems, we'll look at them and go, look, that's this sort of lump. Let's deal with it this way. Um, and if we've got any doubts, then probably checking in with a biopsy is going to give you the best answer straight away rather than, you know, the problem keeps coming up. And that might be what happens in the end. But at least you're going to know right from the beginning um, how's the best way to handle this sort of problem? Thanks for your call, Noel. Look, if you're getting quick, we probably have time for one more call, 49216216. Now, David, you've been away uh, mm. all, all business and you've been at one of the biggest conferences that have been run. Wow, I was so excited. I've mm. never been. I've been practising emergency medicine for 15, 16 years and this, uh, the International Veterinary Emergency and Critical Care Conference run every year. Uh, so it was my first time to go along to that. Look, there was so many things covered, 4,000 people. There was like uh, 15 streams of, of different lectures or workshops you could go to. So you can't get across it all, mm, obviously. It's huge. Massive. And um, so a couple of highlights. One was that uh, really stood out. First of all was that I did a day and a half of training um, and past assessment to become a, an advanced life support instructor which are in dogs Congratulations. Cats. That's right. Um, I haven't brought my little badge, but... Ne next time. It's next time mail. you come in, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so that, that was really good because there's only a handful of people in Australia who've achieved that. Okay. Well, well done. That's so, fantastic. Um, the other thing was I thought was really interesting. I was just looking back over my notes. There was a lecture given uh, which was basically looking back over the last 40 years in things like emergency critical care and one of the topics that he talked about who uh dr jan kovacic i think i got his name right um and he's from canada and 
he talked about uh, the problem of that dogs get. A lot of pet owners are familiar with is bloat, you know, twisted stomachs with larger dogs and so on. And he talked about back when he started, um, and he graduated in 74, I think it was, or 75, and he said a lot of the vets would say, look, there's, you know, it's a 50-50 whether they survive or not. And so, and it's expensive. And a lot of times people wouldn't go ahead with the procedure. Fast forward 40 years, we're now up to 90 to 95% survival. Wow. Um, now, unfortunately, it's still expensive. It's a big deal. Um, and we, you know, have talked previously about how to prevent it. If your dog is an at-risk breed, you can have a procedure done that reduces the risk. And in some breeds, the, the lifetime risk is about 40%. So Great Danes, for instance, and Pearl Standard and Poodles. Poodles. I've had a bloke case. Yeah, oh. Cheryl's had uh, mm. the experience, of course. So you can get this procedure done and it reduces risk down to about 1% to 2% rather than 40%. Um, so in 40 years, we've gone from half of these dogs will die to, you know, one in ten might die. That's pretty amazing. And and that's through training, it's through advances, and it's through organisations like VEX, the Veterinary Emergency and Critical Care Society, and the meetings that they have for the last 30 years. So that was kind of a highlight for me as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Anything else that you took away from it? Uh, I spent a lot of time in management stuff, so... You know, listeners will probably be bored stupid by be that. Be pretty bored about that. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> but the CPR, the CPR advanced life support thing was really interesting because it's actually the first training course that have evidence-based guidelines and it's uh, certified by uh, specialists. And so uh, they're looking at developing a program that we can teach to pet owners, to members of the public that is actually a certified course. So there are certified courses people do, but they're self-certified, mm. where people say, if you do this course, we'll c- give you a certificate. Now, what did you just get you, uh, passed in? What were you talking about earlier? Your Advanced life support. That Ad- was the CPR. So, so, that, so what does that mean now for you? Uh, well, currently I've always... I've been teaching this myself anyway. Um, I've organised this course in Australia mm-hmm. previously, um, but I've never actually completed the assessment part of the course. Yeah, component. Now you've, you've well, signed off on that. Yeah, there's a there's a rescuer level and then there's an instructor level. So we've run the rescuer level in Australia for vets and vet nurses, uh, and now I've got this instructor level. Very exciting to have mm. someone with um, so we can tick that those, off. that background here yeah. in Newcastle and the Hunter. We're very lucky. Now look, we are just about out of time. Uh, before we go though, we haven't given away a dirty dog for this month. Oh, we need to do that, Sarah. Yes, we do. If Find you, a dog. If you haven't heard about uh, our dirty dogs, uh, once a month we're giving them away where your dog can be pampered in style. All the details at 2NURFM.com. But we're talking about a bath and dry package aren't we Cheryl and it's a bit of an indulgent it is indulgent and particularly this time of year with you know lots of storms happening Mm. so if your pooch needs a bit of a pamper then we need to know about it and you can head to 2NURFM.com click on uh, programs you can find our uh, pet chat and of course you can enter via that way but big congratulations to Megan now Megan's the owner of Ruby 
And Ruby is just beautiful, a five-month-old semioid. Yes. And she is filthy. She is filthy, but what a cutie. Oh, my gosh, she's so cute. She's so white in the first photo. She's mm-hmm. actually done a, a, a progressive uh, pit collage for us. So she's got clean what she did yesterday when it was raining. This was a week or two ago. And then uh, she's got her on the day where she was filthy. <laughs> so, look, we appreciate that, Megan. You have won the prize this month. Thank you so much. And don't forget to get your entries in to a new RFM. Com. Well, that's just about it for us. Uh, we've got Greg coming in after one o'clock. He's got all your easy listening favourites. Cheryl Shaw, thank you so much for coming in, as always. Dr David Tabret, thank you. We've had some Thanks, great Sarah. callers today. Thank you for that. Of course, Pet Chat back same time next week. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.